Good morning, City Light. That is awesome. My name is Doug. I get to be one of the pastors for our church. And this morning, we are wrapping up the book of Acts. We've been in the book of Acts throughout this fall. We wrap it up this morning. And in the next half hour, we are going to attempt to cover eight chapters in the book of Acts, all right? So buckle up, strap in, tune in, listen up. It might go fast, okay? These last eight chapters of the book of Acts, they kind of remind me of the movie Mission Impossible. I was 16 years old when the movie came out, and I remember watching it and thinking, wow, that was incredible. How did he do that? Ethan Hunt had a clear mission. He knew where he had to go, and he knew, he knew what he had to do. But along the way, there were all these like twists and turns, these surprises and setbacks. He had a clear mission, but he also fa- uh, faced setbacks. Yet in the end, Mission Impossible became Mission Accomplished. I love movies like that, whether it's the Jason Bourne trilogy or however many of those there are now, or like Incredibles 1 and 2, Star Wars, Black Panther, Saving Private Ryan, My Little Pony, the movie. Yes, I did just say that, okay? But, but think about all those movies. They all have this story where it starts out and there's a really clear mission, whether it's for Ethan Hunt or Twilight Sparkle. And for about two or three minutes, that mission just seems like, oh, it's going to be great. They're going to go accomplish that mission. But then suddenly something happens, like an assassin comes in from out of nowhere, or you don't know which character you can really trust in this scene, or a huge spaceship casts a gigantic shadow over New York City, and Armageddon is going to begin, right? Like that mission that at the beginning seemed oh so clear all of a sudden starts to seem far away, distant, difficult, maybe even derailed. Well, all of those movies borrow their storyline from Acts 21 through 28. In our story this morning, the main character is the Apostle Paul. The setting is the Mediterranean region from Jerusalem all the way around to Rome with all the rocky terrain and blue waters in between. The timeline is about four years from 58 to 62 AD and Paul has a clear mission in our story. We might say it this way. Paul's mission was to multiply disciples and churches to the ends of the earth. He wanted to multiply disciples and churches, not just add, not just increase, but multiply. And he wanted to multiply disciples of Jesus, not just churchgoers or do-gooders, but men and women and children who were learning the teachings of Jesus, observing and obeying those teachings, and being changed by Jesus from the inside out. And Paul wanted to multiply churches, not just gatherings or services, but these families on mission together, led by qualified leaders who were preaching the gospel and themselves multiplying disciples. That was Paul's clear mission. In our church, we have the same mission. In our mission, City Light Church and Council Bluffs, we exist to multiply disciples and churches. And just like any mission, it begs the question, will it happen? Will it be accomplished? What surprises or setbacks might we face? What distractions or detours might we encounter along the way? Just like any good action movie, there's a clear mission, but we're certain to face some hardships and difficulties along the way. And that's not just true 
for Paul, and it's not just true for our church. It's also true for you in your life. Many of you, you probably have a life mission. And maybe it's not like written out in cool words or posted on the front page of your website, but you have a passion. You have goals that you want to accomplish. You have an ambition for your life. Maybe you're like me and you want to be a bodybuilder, right? Um, Okay. Maybe you're like Eric. Maybe you're like Eric and you want to be a basketball player. The question is, can you reach that goal? Which for Eric is a very literal question. Can he reach that goal? You know, maybe you want to be a school teacher. Maybe you just want to get married. Maybe you want to be a doctor or serve in overseas missions. Whatever it is, you have a mission for your life, just like Paul, just like our church. And the question is, will we get there? Will we accomplish it? Acts 21 through 28 is this nerve-wracking, nail-biting, cliff-hanging story of God's mission for Paul and all the surprises and setbacks along the way. So if you got your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 23. That's where we are going to pick it up. Acts 23 verse 11. If you got a pen, underline that verse or highlight it in your app. It kind of sets the stage for the whole rest of the book. Tells us where we're going to go. And in it, we find that Paul is in prison in this moment. It says this, The following night, the Lord stood by him. The Lord stood by Paul and said, take courage. And just so you know, Paul needed to hear this from Jesus. I think most of us, we think of Paul's life like an ESPN highlight reel, right? It's like behind the back pass for a new disciple, alley-oop, and there's a healing or a half-court heave, nothing but net, and a new church is planted. But Paul had many lowlights as well, many rough days, and Paul had just faced a few rough days. He'd been attacked by these hyper-religious Jewish guys that wanted to kill him. He was rescued by the Roman police, dragged in front of government officials, had to make his case for why he should stay alive, and then was tossed into prison. Not the best few days on the job. But then the Lord, Jesus Christ himself, visits Paul in prison steps into his cell and talks with him personally. And he says in verse 11, take courage. For as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. There's the plot of the story. It's where we're going. If this was a movie, the soundtrack would get really intense and really exciting at this moment. Paul just found out he's going to multiply disciples and churches in Rome. Right now he's in Jerusalem somewhere. He's going to have to get to Rome. And my guess is at this moment, Paul threw a party. He's like, yes, this is awesome. Paul loved Rome. He wanted to get to Rome. He was a Roman um, citizen himself. He loved big cities, and he saw Rome as like the perfect place to set up the base of his operations for the last chapter of his life. About a year prior to this, Paul had written a letter to Roman Christians, and in that letter he said, I have longed for many years to come to you. Paul saw Rome as like the gateway to the ends of the earth. He would get to Rome, enjoy the Christians there, and then from Rome, springboard into Spain, which was the ends of the earth at that time. It's as far as they had known, as far as they could go. So Rome, it was big. Rome was fun. 
Rome was strategic, and Jesus just told Paul, you're going to Rome. It's like he was stuck in prison, but found out that he had won a vacation to his dream destination as soon as he got out. Yeah, I might be in prison tonight, but I'm going to Disney World. That's Acts 23, 11. And so the story continues, and you might expect, and I think Paul probably did expect that the next morning he'd probably wake up and God would send an earthquake to break him out of jail and then teletransport him like a Star Trek character to Rome just to get there and get the mission accomplished, right? God had done stuff like that in the past. Just a few chapters earlier in the book of Acts, God literally sent an earthquake so that he could break some dudes out of jail. Prior to that, God had teleported Philip to go reach an Ethiopian eunuch. He just showed up there, shared the gospel with him. So we know God can do this. And in the years prior, God had done that sort of stuff a bunch. So now Paul just needed his miracle. It should be easy cheesy for God. Have you ever been there yourself? Maybe you're in a tough time, but then God shows up and he gives you clarity. He tells you his call for your life. What's going to happen in the next chapter of your life? Maybe he gave you insight to your gifts or your skills and said, man, I'm calling you into this. So you start dreaming, right? Oh man, that would be awesome. Once I graduate, I can do this. You know, once I get out of this dead-end job and into that job, things will be awesome. I can't wait for this to happen. I bet God's going to do that. And we start dreaming about all the things that God might do. It's going to be incredible, whatever it might be. But for Paul, it didn't get better. And it didn't happen quickly. In fact, he was still stuck in prison and God didn't send an earthquake. Things got worse. Those hyper-religious Jewish guys, they doubled down on their efforts to murder him. They even went into an oath. They swore to one another, we will not eat another bite of food until we have killed Paul. Paul's stuck in prison. No earthquake comes. He has to present his case to a Roman official named Felix, who then sends him 60 miles away. Paul has to present his case there too. After he shares his story, Felix says, hey man, you're going to prison. He sends him to a dungeon cell and leaves him there for two whole years. Just forgotten. Stuck in a prison cell. And at this point in time, Paul was like the lead mover and shaker in the early church. He had traveled, he had planted churches, raised up leaders, preached to ginormous crowds. Paul was famous, he was revered, everybody loved and adored him. Paul's life was like fast-paced, it was fun, it was fruitful. And now here he is, stuck in a prison cell, mistreated, misunderstood, left alone without so much as a thought. And all of that happens right after Jesus showed up and told him that he was going to Rome. Now, have you ever been there? Right? A clear call from God. This amazing dream from God that he puts in your heart, followed by an immediate suffering. Man, you have God-honoring desires in your life. For some of you, this is really real. You're in this moment now. You have these God-honoring desires. You even feel like, Jesus called me into this. Jesus spoke this into me, and yet your life feels like you're in a holding pattern marked by suffering. Maybe you didn't get that job that you thought you needed. 
Maybe you weren't accepted into that program. You weren't invited into leadership or maybe that girl broke up with you right before you were gonna propose. Or maybe you found out that your spouse betrayed you. So now you're alone and you're saying, God, I thought you were gonna do this. You said so. And yet here I am alone, forgotten, and bored. Many of us have been there and Paul was there too. And Paul's downward spiral was actually just beginning for Acts 21 through 28. From here, he's still stuck in prison for two years. Another Roman official comes to power, and when he comes to power, Paul gets the chance to make his case again, to share his story again. This new guy, his name is Festus. You should talk to his parents why they came up with that name. I don't get it, but his name was Festus, and when Paul presents his case to Festus, there's a little glimmer of hope that shows up. In his case, Paul appeals to Caesar. He's saying, I want to present my story before Caesar. And Festus responds in Acts 25, 12 with this. He says, to Caesar you have appealed, to Caesar you shall go. And Caesar is in Rome, right? Yes, it could still happen. We're still making forward progress. And so after this, Paul has to tell his story yet again to another official. He gets chained to a Roman guard and then put on a boat with a bunch of prisoners, but it is setting sail for Rome. And at first, the boat ride is slow, but it's safe at least. They have to hug up against the coast. The wind is uh, coming at them, slowing everything down. And you can just see Paul sitting in the boat, just marking the days off his calendar. Will I ever get to Rome? Will this ever happen? In those days, turn into weeks, and those weeks turn into months after months after months. And then after that, all hell breaks loose. It only gets worse. That boat that Paul was on with a bunch of prisoners encounters a storm at sea that lasts for over two straight weeks. And at one point, Acts 27 verse 20 says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, All hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. They couldn't eat. They were chucking stuff overboard. And I mean, this is a boat full of prisoners. So who knows who might draw a knife at any moment. Those hours dragged into days that dragged into weeks. And Paul and everyone else on the boat is disoriented. They couldn't see the sun. They couldn't see the stars. They couldn't get their coordinates. They couldn't get their bearings. They're disoriented. They're pummeled with rain. It is a terrible situation. Two weeks without seeing the sun. Two weeks of storm. And at this point, if I were Paul, I think I would just quit. I would just be done with that, say, God, I'm finished with all the suffering. I'm done with the setbacks. I'm done with the surprises. Being stuck in a prison cell alone for two years, that's one thing. But being on a boat with a bunch of thieves and thugs and murderers and a storm-tossed waves, nauseated and disoriented, that is a whole other thing. I think I would literally just throw in the towel and just say, I'm giving up on God's silly false promise of getting to Rome. That wasn't God. That was just all the blood loss from the beating the day before. I think I just quit and kind of hope to survive or kind of die. It reminds me of that moment in Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade where Indiana 
He's already been through all these obstacles. He's already overcame all these difficulties. And he's standing there looking over this chasm. And he knows he has to get to the other side somehow. But it seems like it's impossible. It seems like there's no way he can go from this side to that side of the chasm. If I were Indiana Jones, I think I would just go back and hug my dad while he dies. I wouldn't keep going. If I were Paul, I think I would just call God's bluff and say, this ain't going to happen. It's a crisis of faith. It's a moment of doubt. Yet it's in this moment that God chooses once again to visit Paul. He shows up in the middle of that storm, in the middle of the night, and he does it by sending an angel to Paul. That angel in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the night says, Paul, trust me, you are going to make it to Rome. You will get there. And when Paul hears that, he's encouraged, he's enlivened, he's empowered, and he stands up and he tells all the other prisoners on the ship, hey, listen, God told me we're all going to be safe and I'm going to get to Rome. He says in Acts 27, 25, so take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. And surprisingly, everyone on the ship, they survive. Not surprisingly, that's immediately followed by a shipwreck right next to an island. They have to go live on this island for a little while. While there, Paul gets bitten by a viper but survives. He's mistaken for a god and has to tell people to stop worshiping him. And he heals a bunch of people in the name of Jesus. Then finally, after a long cold winter on that island, he makes it to Rome. And Acts 28 verse 14 is the understatement of the story. And so we came to Rome, right? And so we came to Rome through an arrest, a beating, three government officials, four years of imprisonment, two weeks tossed in a storm at sea, one small island, lots of healings, and a viper bite. So we came to Rome, misunderstood, mistreated, lost, left alone, forgotten, chained and marching to death, so we came to Rome. Now, back in Acts 23, when Jesus told Paul he was going to Rome, I don't think this is what Paul quite had in mind. Paul was thinking it would happen differently. This isn't what he expected. And City Light, sometimes the mission is exciting and fun. And sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it is flat out painful and it is full of disappointments and delays and detours. So what can you and I learn from Acts 21 through 28? Maybe you're in one of these detours right now. What can you pick up from this extended story? What might the Father be saying to you even now while you're still in it? Let me suggest a few takeaways. And the first one is this, ask God to show up where you are before he takes you where you want to be. Ask God to show up where you are, even right now, before he takes you where you want to be. In Paul's tragic journey to Rome, God shows up 
two different times. And both of those times were so crucial, so powerful for Paul. The first time, he's sitting in that prison cell. It's Acts 23, 11, And Jesus comes in and personally assures him, you're going to go to Rome. And Jesus knew everything that Paul would go through, all the twists and turns, the setbacks, the disillusionment, the discouragement, the attacks. And he knew Paul needed to hear it from his mouth. The second time God showed up, he sent an angel on the backside of that uh, storm at sea and reassured Paul, yes, you're going to get to Rome. And when Paul heard it, he was encouraged and able to get through. City Light, when God shows up, our circumstances might not change at all, but it feels like everything changes. Right, Like when God shows up right where you are, even though it's not where you want to be, your inside gets changed, your perspective gets changed, and even though the circumstances might be exactly the same, it feels like everything changes. And some of you this morning need to invite God to show up right where you are. You need God to walk into that hospital room hold your hand and be with you while you're in pain. Or you need God to go to that stinky job with you and sit with you in the break room. You need God to meet you in the dark nights after you've learned that your spouse has left you and you're alone. You need God in those moments before you ever get to your destination, before your prayers are ever answered the way you want them to be answered. You need God to show up right there where you are now. Can I encourage you? Don't ever feel bad for asking God to show up. He loves it when you ask him to show up. He delights to show up in your life right where you are. I know this is hard because in our culture, we've become quite skilled at avoiding each other, right? We don't take calls. We don't respond to text. We don't listen to voicemails. We boil communication down to 144 characters or an image on a screen that we can just scroll right past. Us humans have got pretty good at avoiding each other. But God is different. Oh, he loves it when you cry out to him. He loves it when you call for him and say, God, I need you to show up where I am even before you take me where I want to be. That's the first takeaway. I think the second thing we can see in Acts 21 through 28 is this. Make the most of where you are before you get to where you want to be. Make the most of where you are right now before you get to where you want to be. All through this story of Paul's tragic journey to Rome, Paul didn't forget who he was in Christ and what his real mission was. Like, for example, the second time that Paul had to share his story before a Roman official, he had been in prison for two years, gets dragged out, has to present his case. When he does, man, he preaches the gospel boldly. And in the audience at that time, there was a king. His name was King Agrippa. King Agrippa hears the gospel and he's like, oh, really, Paul? So you, you're trying to make me a Christian? And Paul's like, well, actually, yes, I am. That's what I'm trying to do. Do you want to just pray and receive Christ right now? Actually, everybody who can hear my voice, I want you all to know Jesus. Give your lives to Christ. Paul made the most of his messed up situation by sharing the gospel all along the way. 
Or whenever he was in that storm at sea and the angel shows up, he gets encouraged, he gets empowered. Man, Paul stands up and he gives a halftime pep talk better than Denzel Washington in Remember the Titans. It was an incredible moment. Or he's shipwrecked on this island, gets bit by a viper. He goes on to heal the chief's dad and everybody else on the island who was sick in the name of Jesus. All of that awesome stuff happened before Paul ever got to Rome. Make the most of where you are before you get to where you want to be. I know for me, one of my struggles when God seems to derail or deter or disappointment, disappoint me, I often start to ask the question, why? God, why did you let this happen? God, why me? God, why is this going on in my life? Why won't you make this stop? But I've learned over the years, instead of asking the question, why, I need to ask the question, what? God, what are you trying to teach me in this season of life? God, what are you saying to me through this pain? God, what do I need to learn? What needs to change in me even while I'm here before I ever get to where I want to be? The third thing that I think we can learn from Acts 21 through 28 is actually incredibly simple, but in my life I've learned it's the most difficult, and that's this. Don't make it about you. Don't make it about you. Man, sometimes when God reroutes us on our journey of life or our mission with him, it's easy for us to start to think that life is all about us. Like history rises and falls based on how awesome or not awesome we were in the last 24 hours. You ever been there? Ever thought that? I know I do that. Man, whenever I get disappointed, it has this weird way of making me think that it's all about me. For example, a few years back, it was about five years ago, I stepped out of full-time church work for a short season in my life. And for 13 years prior to that, I was in full-time church work. Like that was my job, that's what I did, that's how I earned income, all that sort of stuff. But then five years ago, all of a sudden, I stepped out of full-time church work and had to go find another job. Okay, it was an odd experience for me, a difficult situation. So I go to Qdoba because I eat there so much. I know the general manager and got a job there. Okay, no lie, that's how it happened. And so I'm running the cash register at Qdoba. I have a degree in business management, but I could not figure out which of those fancy buttons you got to push to make the coins like come out of that little coin slot thing and get there so that you can grab them and go enjoy your burrito. Worse than that, there was a 16-year-old girl who was training me and correcting all my mistakes on the cash register. It was not a good season in my life. Second job I had was working for hy V stocking shelves. These were all simultaneous jobs. Anyways, I'm stocking shelves with uh, just canned green beans, right? Third job that I had was working in a local book warehouse where the most complicated decision of each day was which top 40 radio song I should sing along to, okay? For obvious reasons, I always chose Bruno Mars, like many of you would too. So anyways, while I was trying to figure out how to run the cash register, While I was memorizing the ingredients on canned green beans, while I was singing along to Bruno Mars, while I was not on full-time church staff, guess what the mission of God was doing? Oh, it was humming along quite nicely. 
It was advancing very well without me. And I had this realization that when God wants to accomplish his goals for his mission to move forward, he doesn't need me. I'm not in the center of his plans. Yes, he enjoys me and he delights in me, but it's not up to me. And those six months in non-church work served to inspire a passion for the mission of God in me more than the previous 13 years combined. My life may have felt like it was spiraling downward, but the mission of God was up and to the right quite quickly. And so City Light, can I encourage you with this? Whenever life doesn't go according to your plans, when life didn't go according to my plan or Paul's plans, can we remember that God is just as successful? God is just as gracious, just as merciful, just as beautiful, just as powerful, just as good, whether we get the promotion or the demotion, whether we get that healing or we stay hurt. Whether we get released from prison or are stuck there for another two years, don't make it about you. The fourth and final thing that I think we can learn from this story of Paul trying to get to Rome is all about Jesus, and it's this. Jesus' life was no easier than yours or mine. Jesus' life was no easier than yours or mine. If there's anyone who's ever had a grand mission, it was Jesus, right? Like Jesus' life mission was to come from heaven down to earth to live a perfect life, to seek and save the lost, to literally change the world. Like his mission was kind of a big deal. And if anybody suffered along the way on his mission, it was Jesus. Like how did Jesus seek and save the lost? By suffering and dying. How did Jesus change the world? By giving up his rights and his comforts and his privileges to come to the earth and live an obedient life even to the point of death. So City Light, the leader of our church, the lover of our souls, the Lord of our lives, the captain of our team has suffered far more than any of us have. And Jesus died in what seemed like disappointment. Jesus died in what seemed like a detour so that we can find him faithful. We can find him near. He's in us with it even when we are disappointed, even when we are detoured. My friend, we will make it to Rome. Whatever your Rome is or whatever my Rome is, God will carry out his mission for our lives, but we might not take the route that we expect. And all along the way, even in the detours, even in the disappointments, we will know our Savior more deeply and we will trust him more sweetly because he's been there before and he's with us in it even now. Would you pray with me? And let's ask God to drive some of this home in our hearts. Father God, we ask you right now, that would you be speaking to us? Would you let us hear your voice, not just a voice from the stage, not just a sermon, but would you be our father, the kind of father who pulls us up into your lap and talks to us, speaks into our ears, is personal with us. 
And City Light, I want to encourage you, wherever you are, there's no need to rush here. We've got time. Could you begin to do business with God, to listen to him, to draw near to him? I encourage you, would you be honest with him? Some of you, you feel like, man, you're in that season right now. It's a season of setback. It's a season of suffering. And I want to invite you to be honest with God and tell him that. You don't have to just get through this. You don't have to just get on the other side. You can ask God to show up right where you are, even now. Before the circumstance changes, before things get awesome, you can ask him to show up right where you are. And some of us, we're, we're stuck in this place, this season of life, and we're so focused on getting out of it that we're just not making the most of where we are. We're forgetting who we are in Christ. We're missing out on opportunities to share the gospel. And so could you just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you strength, to give you power, to make the most of where you are. To be in it with him just like he's in it with you. And others, maybe you just need God to remind you, hey, it's not about you. It's about me. It's about my glory. Oh, Father, would you speak that into our souls? That we would know that it's not about us, but it's for you. It's for your praise. It's for your glory. And all glory goes to you, whether it's the best day of our lives or the worst day of our lives, whether we're where we want to be or where we're not want to be. Oh, Father, would you lift up our eyes off of ourselves and let us see Jesus understand and uh, embrace the suffering of Jesus so that we can understand and know the power of his resurrection. Would you give us that heart to see Jesus in it all? Oh, Father, would you speak to us now? Give us opportunities to respond. Give us the courage to respond to you and not just get through the morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.